0: The title of the talk this afternoon is Trust in Awareness. Trust in Awareness. This is a quote from um, a teacher in the Tibetan Buddhist lineage named Minjur Rinpoche, and he says, Meditation is really quite simple. All we have to do is embrace each experience with awareness and open our hearts fully to the present moment. All we have to do... (laughs) is embrace each experience with awareness and open our hearts to the present moment. When we are are completely at ease with our own being, the ripples of awareness naturally spread out in all directions, touching the lives of everyone we meet. So how can we learn to meet experience, to embrace experience with awareness and become at ease in our own being. Really, this is some of the, the core teachings that we are working with here. Some of the, the essence, really, of this practice, this practice of learning to trust in awareness. So when we begin the practice, as most of us have been, there's, there are a number of people who are just starting out. There's also a number of you who have been practicing for some time here. We begin with really trying to tame this mind, as you've noticed. You have discovered that your mind is all over the place. So anyone who has not had that incredible insight? <laughs> I have a mind that is insane. This, my mind is everywhere. Um, so we need to use tools to, to bring it back into the present moment. We need to teach it what the present moment is we can have all these conceptions and ideas of the present moment, but it's only when we begin to practice this taming of the mind, this coming back into the present moment, that we start to see, oh, okay, this is a little bit of what mindfulness is. So what's encouraged and what we've been encouraging, especially in the first part of the retreat, is making effort, making effort to be in the moment. And effort is, as um, Nikki was talking about last night, it's not that we don't although we typically think of that as that very intense trying really hard, we want you to think of it more as a kind of wholeheartedness, putting your, just just putting your attention into something and giving your all, but not doing it in a way that contorts you or ties you up or makes you upset. It's a beautiful quality of the mind, this quality of effort and energy, the sense I can do it, right? And we come, we continue to take this mind that has a mind of its own and bring it back into the moment again and again. And that's what just that's what keeps happening. When I started practice, well, I shared a little bit about my very early start of practice, but when I found a teacher who I was working with, a teacher in um, the Burmese Buddhist lineage named Saida Upandita, he was the King of effort. That was his way to practice. He just said, work harder, work harder, work harder. It's pretty much mostly what he said. Okay, try, try. Anytime you would go in to meet with him, and I, I worked with him in the US, and then ultimately later I went to Myanmar to study and practice with him. And he, I mean, he was really serious about this. He would say things like, Did you wake up on the in breath or the out breath? <laughs> And you would have to know the answer. And if you didn't know the answer, he'd go. (laughs) Meaning, get out and come back and know the answer. He expected you to, I kid you not, he expected you to be practicing mindfulness, this application of effort every single second, really. And we could do this. And I actually, I mean, we're kind of encouraging it in, in, a, in our gentle, relaxed, laid-back, California style, which is, we encourage you to be continuous. <laughs> we invite you to do it, right? But what we're pointing to is that actually the human mind has the capacity to be mindful of everything as it comes and goes. And so we can get up in the morning and mindfully rise from the bed knowing whether we were in or out, or whatever. And then we can get up and we can walk over in, to the bathroom and mindfully sit down and mindfully... You know, everything can happen in the field of mindfulness. And what Saida Upandita, this teacher, was, was encouraging is this sustained application of effort. Just keep trying. And he invited a, a, a very warrior-like practice, which was quite beautiful in many ways. And I know for me, I was very moved by that. I, ha- I felt driven by this vision to practice. He would often say, practice as if your hair was on fire. like That's how serious you have to be. You practice really hard. And there were ways that he'd encourage. He'd say, I don't want you to sleep more than four hours a night. Anybody doing that accidentally here? (laughs) That's sort of happening, yeah, because we're not, sometimes our sleep is up. But anyway, this was intentional. He'd want us to, and actually as you practice and as the concentration builds and you get more and more energy, Um, your sleep can go down. And this is on long retreats. I'm not talking in just a week here. But some of you may have found that you've had more energy. And the first night you couldn't do the late night sit and now you can. And some of you may be practicing even longer than that because it's very, it's very energizing as you practice over time. So he would invite us to sleep less. He would invite us to sit without moving for periods of time. He would invite us to just keep going even when you think you're tired. And there was something very profound for me in this practice, in this continual coming back to the present moment, like a mindfulness boot camp, just back again and again. And it trained my mind in such a serious and and dedicated way. And what happens when you do this is there's an opening into, well, first of all, what happens is you begin to get more calm and more ease. So there's a concentration that's developed, like Nikki was talking about with the binoculars. There's more stability. And then you begin to see things clearly. You begin to see the nature of reality. You see that things are coming and going, and all these thoughts and all these memories and fears and worries and everything, they're just, in a sense, energies. They're phenomena. They're things moving through us that we don't have to grasp onto. And we can see this with our own inner experience. It's extraordinary. When your mind gets quiet, peaceful, calm, there's so much that opens up to you. And effort can lead to this. And effort can really, really uh, take us into the depth of what it means to be a human. Now the problem is there's a little shadow side with that. And that's why we don't offer you these teachings in the way that my Burmese teacher offered us. That's why we offer a much more gentle, kinder approach. We still want you to make effort, but we're encouraging you to make effort as opposed to admonishing you to make effort. And when. Um, the, the shadow side of that hard effort that he was invoking is it can lead to a lot of self-judgment, comparison, feeling like a failure, feeling like I'm not doing it right. And that can happen with an effort-based mindfulness. So it's just just to know there's, a, there's sort of this shadow side to it. When I talked before about we, we see things clearly Today, there were so many people coming into the meetings talking about insights they had into their own mind, into patterns of their lives, into their perfectionism, into their judgmental, you know, the way they judge others. And they were seeing it with this kind of spaciousness that was just so incredibly, uh, just Well, it's lovely for me to witness, but freeing for all of us who experience it. Because what happens is our minds tend to cling. Our minds tend to, we we talked about this, and when Alex was talking about the way our minds go after things, or they pull away from things. They also like to slam things away. (laughs) I was thinking of that too, right? But we go after things, and then we get stuck. Our mind gets stuck, we're clinging to something, and then there's all this suffering. We don't want to let go. It's so important that we get the right kind of oatmeal in the morning and have the right topping on it, and what do you mean they've run out of tahini? Or whatever, I don't know what they put on it down there. So there's a story I've always loved in that in Thailand, how they catch monkeys. And what they do is they hollow out a coconut and inside the coconut, and they leave a little hole, like a small hole, and inside the coconut, they put a banana in it. And then so a monkey reaches in to get the banana, but then he's stuck and he can't get out. And he starts howling and then they capture him and don't let your mind go to what they do with him, I don't even know, but they've captured the monkey. Because he's holding on. And there is a solution. There's a really obvious solution. And that solution is to drop the banana. And release your hand. And then there's freedom. And this is happening to us all day long. We're grabbing for bananas of all different types. And then we get stuck. And then what happens, though, is if we can practice awareness, we can recognize that we're holding on to a banana, that we've caught, we're have caught, we're holding on, we're stuck, where our mind is clinging, thinking that something's going to provide happiness. And we begin to learn to relax and soften and come into the moment. And there's a freedom that happens there. So this is a beautiful thing about this moment-to-moment effort. Oh, I'm stuck. I'm gonna be mindful. I'm noticing that my stomach is tense. I feel really tight. My heart is racing. Okay, just take a breath. I can live without the iced tea. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about how our awareness is working. When we started with the, with the first day and we had you noticing the breathing, and then we began to open up a little bit. You could notice uh, sounds, noticing body sensations, including difficult ones, noticing emotions, thoughts that was all included today. And the idea has generally been keeping a focused attention, and then when something pulls you away, the first day or so, we just when something pulls you away, you just kind of come back to it. Now we're a little bit, we're asking you to say, well, when you get pulled away, if it's compelling, pay attention to it. So there's an ache, I'm with my breath, there's an ache in my knee, I feel it, I notice it, it moves up, and then come back to the breathing or the sound, whatever is your main focus. This is what we call focused awareness. There's another type of awareness that also involves effort, and um, Nikki was pointing to it some this this morning, which is a, what we call choiceless awareness. So choiceless awareness is when there's less of a directing to a particular object of your awareness. So in other words, it's not like you keep coming back to the breath, but instead you notice whatever is arising. So you suddenly feel an achiness in your belly, and then there's a memory, and then tears come, and then there's an itch, and then you take a breath, And then a sound grabs your attention. And none of this is so volitional in the sense that when I'm meditating and something like this is happening, it's almost like I'm simply tracking my experience from this to this to this. And it's really um, a beautiful way to practice that some of you may be kind of naturally already doing. And, uh, And sometimes it's just the way your practice evolves. Our practice, in a way, has a life of its own. Sometimes, sometimes you sit down and you just know that you got to stay with your breath. That's all I can do. Other times there's a more of an open, spacious quality and a noticing of everything that's happening. So there's focused, or focused attention or focused awareness, choiceless awareness. And all of these involve an element of doing, of a sense of me trying to place my attention on something. And they're great. And so keep doing it. There's no problem with that. I want to speak a little bit to a different type of awareness that I call natural awareness. As that is, it's just, it's just, it's not an effort-based awareness. It's more of an open, spacious awareness that's less about the awareness of the things and more about the awareness itself. And we turn our attention away from being with the breath to knowing what is with the breath what is that what is it? it's this awareness so i'm going to explore this for a little while and i'll tell you that if you're feeling if you're feeling like oh this isn't really making sense for me in my practice just hang in there with me and see how it inspires you. Because even if you don't practice in this way, you can take aspects of it to bring a kind of attitude to your practice or an approach that might be helpful and still stay with a more focused awareness because it's not like there's a hierarchy. It's not like natural awareness is great, choiceless awareness is second best, and focused awareness, eh, that's not so good. Absolutely not, it's not. It's all part of the ways of what I call the spectrum of awareness. We can have awareness in many different ways. And all are good, and all are called for differently at different times. So let me tell you what, um, what natural awareness is, or this is how I define it, and has many names. Natural awareness, awake awareness, radiant awareness, the nature of mind. There's all sorts of names in many traditions for it. Um, What I, the difference we might think of is riding a bicycle. If you're riding a bicycle, you're riding a bicycle, riding a bicycle, and you're pedaling really hard. And at some point, you don't have to pedal anymore. It's like you can just coast. You know that experience, we've all had it, riding a bike. So a little bit like that happens in meditation. We can we, can, we work really hard and then there's sort of a settling back into a state that's more of just a being, just a being. So you may have t- had tastes of this on this retreat and you may have had more, way more tastes of it than you even know. You may have been just standing watching the turkeys and just sort of resting in your own sense of being. Or the lizard who's doing push-ups. <laughs> And you just there's like a fascination and a connection to it. It just, it just a being with it. Or, you know, the views around here are so conducive to allowing our attention to simply rest and be. Oh, wow, taking in the view. And in that moment, there's not so much of that clinging thing going on, right? It's just naturally happening. When you're at one with the turkey or whatever or the lizard or whatever it is there's less of the sense of me myself i it's almost like there's a transparent quality this quality of being connected to to all things really and so the way that i talk about natural awareness and i've been teaching about it a lot at UCLA and talking about it, and is natural awareness is a kind of freer flowing mindfulness, where one feels generally aware, awake, open, spacious, fully present. Less of a focus on objects and more of a focus on just being, right? Just being a general sense of being here, or even an awareness of the awareness itself. It may feel less like there's a thing you're aware of, like there's not. I'm not paying attention to my breath. It's just the breath is arising in my awareness. Some of the words that are used to describe this are pure, pristine, luminous. Naked, open, spacious, limitless, boundless, invisible, timeless. So as I say these words, do you sort of get what I'm pointing at? That's something that's not exactly just my breath. It's still, it's just my breath is amazing. I just really want to say that just my breath may, is, is, you can't go wrong. Just pointing to a little, something a little bit different, but also the same. It's the same. All right, that was very confusing. Um, (laughs) It's, different in the approach, but both of it is a kind, there are all kinds of mindfulness. If we think of mindfulness as this capacity to be present with what is. Remember what Minder Rinpoche said? I don't remember. All we have to do is embrace each experience with our awareness and open our hearts fully to the present moment. This is a way of embracing the present moment. So what I find with this type of awareness is that it often carries different qualities, like a diamond. It has different facets. So on one side, we might, if we, if like, let's say you have a diamond and it turns in different directions, and one quality that emerges might be compassion. Another quality might be love, connection, joy. These are the flavors in which we can experience this, this, this natural awareness I'm talking about. So when you're at the top of the hill and you look down and you see this view and you're just filled with a sense of awe, that's the facet of the diamond that you're seeing. Sometimes it's humorous. It's just like the great cosmic joke. What? We're on this planet? Are you kidding me? It's, sometimes it um, feels very transcendent. Sometimes it feels very earthy. We're here. Sometimes it feels interconnected. Sometimes it's expansive, it's matter of fact. There's just a whole range of ways that we can experience it. And it's experienced differently by different people. So everybody's experiencing it differently. And I, so, so it comes very subtly, and it comes in a state that can be very profound. So often, I guarantee that every one of us here has touched into what I'm talking about. Just a moment of peace, a whisper, a feeling of goodness, a connection to your own inner goodness. We've all accessed this. And so sometimes it's very subtle, and sometimes it's very, very strong, dense, present. I don't I, what I love about the mindfulness teachings and originating where I've learned it in a lot of the Buddhist teachings is that there's pathways and tools to accessing mindfulness in whatever form that you access it. And at the same time, the Buddhists don't have the corner of the market on awareness. Awareness is natural human birthright, Right? We all are aware. We're aware and we're actually aware all the time. All right, ready? I'm gonna ask you to do something right now. On the count of three, don't be aware. Okay, one, two, three, don't be aware. Okay, stop, did it work? <laughs> You could fake it, right? You could kind of fake it maybe sing a song, but I bet you knew you were singing that song. <laughs> Humans are naturally aware. There's a nat- what happens is, okay, so the natural it, this awareness, it's part of the human birthright. It's like it's it's what it means to be human and it's that's why in in some ways I believe it's pointed to by great philosophers and religions and in indigenous cultures and in poetry, and art, and philosophy, this pointing to this longing for our own true nature. It arises, we've all had it in, um, well, I'll just say, my guess is most people have experienced it as children. Aren't children, like, extraordinarily present? You know, when you're with a little kid, and you're just right there with them, and they're just in this place, and it, that you can join them in this place of deep, profound well-being. It can arise with a friend when you're just deeply connected, laughing. It can arise when you're in nature. Nature is one of the great, uh, whatever the word is, it instigates. It's, it's, it brings this out. Animals. When you're with an animal, your dog, a cat, go down and pet the horses down there. It's there for you. It's always there for you. It's kind of like a radio station that's, it's like radio station. There's all these radio stations and they're all sending out radio waves and it depends what you're tuned into. So most of the time we're tuned into radio anxiety, or radio self-judgment, or KPF, you know, I hate myself, or whatever it is. But there is this frequency that's our own goodness, this, this capacity to be, to just fully be without the stories, without getting caught in the clinging around self, the drama, the me, the my, the self that we're doing all the time. And that's what's happening. Because in some of the teachings that talk about this, they say one of the reasons it's so hard to notice what I'm talking about is that it's so close. It's closer than your face. Think about that. What would that be? I don't know. It's not meant to have a cognitive understanding of it. So it, um, I mean, I remember as a child that I would um, sit out and look at the stars and just lie like on a summer night on a blanket, just looking up at the stars, maybe like 10, 12, and just having this vast feeling of the limitlessness of things, and that I was part of the stars, you know, and I was just a kid hanging out on a blanket. And I bet you, if you recall in your memory, you've probably had a moment, maybe as a child, maybe as an adult, where you've had this kind of experience. So maybe just take a moment to just think for a moment. Has there been a time, and it could have been on this meditation retreat, So let yourself recall a time where you may have access to what I'm talking about here. In nature, with animals, on the retreat. And as you remember that, what does it feel like? What does it feel like inside yourself? really let that be here whatever it is okay anybody want to shout out an adjective or two like what did you feel uh, joy joy ah joy curiosity. Curiosity. curiosity peaceful peaceful love, love. connected connected yeah. It's not some mystical woo-woo thing I'm talking about here. I mean, in some ways it could be, but it could also be deeply ordinary. It's just what it means to be a human who's not lost in those crazy radio stations, who's not distracted by all of the things that take us away from our own nature. I um, I think there are. I think I was experience a few where I was just seeing it out in the world like I, I kind of pay attention to where I see it and who I see connecting to it and I was um, with a friend of mine whose, whose father was 93 and he's now passed away but at the time he was about 93 and every day he would go down to the beach and body surf and that every day until he got sick in the last three months of his life, he did not body surf. But he did it till 92 and a half or whatever it was. It was extraordinary. This guy was amazing. And he'd just ride his bike down to the beach. He lived in Newport Beach. Ride his bike, swim, and then sit on the beach for the rest of the day. He had very dark skin, like like suntan. <laughs> very suntan skin. And um, he would he would... I remember sitting there with him one day, and he's sitting there. And as we're sitting there, there's this barge that's getting this, the dirt from one end of the one end to the other. So, he, so in other words, it, it's it's getting dirt out of the ocean and then slowly bringing it over to some other part of the ocean and dumping the, the the dirt, and then slowly going back, picking up the dirt, picking it up, slowly going over. And basically, he just would sit there, and I was sitting there with him, and he's just staring out into the ocean, and he'd say, there goes the barge. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, that's boring. Um, <laughs> but what I saw was he was in like, a different place you know he was in this place of where he could just be it's this we've lost this art of being you know what I mean the culture and the speeded up culture with the connections and the phones and this guy was just there goes the barge and then he'd watch it go and he'd watched it when the when the dirt came off it would raise up slowly 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 dump it off raise up I mean that was it it's a lost art. <laughs> Didn't people, like, through, I mean, sitting on porches and just rocking and just being. So there's something, there's something that we're reclaiming here with this. So, as we do this practice, as we do the basic mindfulness practice where we're really paying attention to what is, and dropping the bananas, when you see you're getting, sorry, too many analogies at once, but you're getting on the train. So <laughs> <laughs> then you drop the banana. <laughs> and your monkey mind is running around <laughs> with a snowball. Okay, sorry. All right. But you know what I'm saying. We're, we're, we do this practice, and we, we, we have these moments where we let go. Where we're not clinging so deeply, and when we're not clinging so deeply, there is freedom. That is where freedom comes in. And it's it's um... once I, I have shared the story before, but I talked to one of my teachers and I said something about, well, I've noticed that if I do such and such, if I meditate in this way, then my natural awareness increases. And he looked at me and he said, no, your natural awareness isn't increasing. Your clinging is decreasing. Your clinging is lessening. So I'll tell you, I've been chewing over that for about 17 years. But (laughs) what's happening is a mind that is caught in the preoccupations and the dramas and the self and the me and the my and all of that is... is a a mind that's not free. It's a mind that's caught. But when we can relax and soften and drop into into awareness, there is freedom there. It's really amazing. And what happens probably on retreat for many of you is you're seeing your mind go in and out. Picking up the banana, dropping it, picking up the banana, dropping it, right? And it um, and it's it's kind of it's kind of amazing, and you can see how have you had a moment just that moment where you're no longer holding on, and then suddenly something drops, and you're like, whoa, what is this? I think it might be peace. How cool! I'm experiencing peace. What's here? Our minds. So so there's a there's a process. And if you're doing, if you're working with these qualities of natural awareness or with the basic mindfulness, you're just sort of coming in and out, and in and out, and in and out. When we can drop the banana, when we can live with less clinging, we find that we're in these states that are inherently beautiful, a state of joy and peace and connectedness. This is where I want to inhabit. And my experiences, because I practiced a long time, I go in and out. I do. I get to live in places of joy and happiness and connection. And then, you know, my neuroses take hold. And I start to, mm, I want this, I need this, I don't like this but then there's a softening and a resting back into things as they are. Can I be with just this? Can I be with just this? This is a question, this is a question. Can I be with just this? So the states themselves are inherently beautiful. We cultivate a mind that is free from the clinging and the identification. As we practice whatever type of mindfulness we're practicing, there's a deep abiding in well-being that begins to happen. And this is what we can rely on. So when I said earlier, trust in awareness, there's so much out there that's so untrustworthy. We can't rely on life always going the way we want it to. We can't rely on um, our culture supporting us in ways that we, or the society supporting us in ways that one would expect and assume would happen. We can't rely on um, that there won't be loss. Remember I talked about those four worldly winds that there won't be loss and pain and blame and disrepute. But what we can rely on is this capacity to be aware and awake, this awakened awareness that's within all of us. So one of my students talked about the difference between the three types of awareness that I mentioned. So there's the focused attention, the choiceless awareness, and the natural awareness. And he said, he just came up with this analogy spontaneously. It was kind of amazing. He said, focused awareness is like being a sailor. You're on the ocean, you're trying to, you know, you're going, you're trying to get over there and you find yourself going that way, so you move that way, And you're going, then you move that way. And so you're really sort of trying to direct your experience to get in a certain way. Choiceless awareness, when you're sort of noticing what's happening, he said it's like being a scuba diver. Right? You're underwater. You're just seeing this and this and this. and So you want to kind of play today with your practice and see what you're drawn to. Where does your mind go? What are you drawn to? Right? And then um, awakened awareness or natural awareness, he said, in that case, I am the water. I am the water. Sailor, Sailor, scuba diver, I am the water. I wanna play a little bit with ways of accessing this. We're gonna take a little bit of time to touch into the natural awareness and then just I'll kind of wrap up with some other points about it. So, we did something before where I had you recall the, the a time in your life, so let's just, just take a moment When um, you can close or open your eyes, my first invitation is simply to just be. Just be. Drop the struggle, drop the story. There's nowhere to go, nothing to do. Just be. Soften your belly Soften your body. Soften your mind. Can I be with just this? Can I be with just this? Send your hearing awareness out to the corners of this room. Just listen out as far as you can. And if you feel like opening your eyes, let your visual field expand if you don't want to stay as you are. And also sense the back of your body. Letting your back body begin to expand 360 degrees your sense of yourself around your body Notice what this expanded awareness is like, but also can you feel internally an internal awareness? Is it possible to feel external and internal simultaneously? Is it possible to include all of the people in the room? Is your heart included? To soften? Rest. I'm going to ask you a question, and that question is, what would be here if nothing was wrong? Or if you didn't have a problem to solve? was just a little playing with awareness. Just curious, um, anybody wanna say what happened as you did that? It kind of it overwhelmed me a little bit and I teared up a little bit and so was just kind of this overwhelming feeling all at once, yeah. but in a good way. Yeah. So she felt... like the um, question, if you don't mind repeating it. Well, yeah. So she felt warm, warm inside and then she expanded to notice the other people and then it brought some emotion up mm-hmm. and it felt good, but a little emotional. The question I asked was... Um, i two questions. What would be here if nothing was wrong? Or what would be here if you didn't have a problem to solve? You can find a question that really works for you to help you kind of explore that. Maybe one more person, what happened as you did that practice? Anyone? Uh uh-huh. I felt like um, there was no judgment this time. Hmm. I think with breathing meditation, I Back, but with natural, it felt like I can just be. Um, so, less judgment. A lot of people report that with natural awareness that there's less judgment. Oh, I can just be was the feeling she felt. So, this is just for fun, honestly. Seriously, this is just for fun. Seriously, it's for fun. <laughs> this, is, this is, you know, it can be hard work with like my teacher in Burma. Oh, this is hard work but also we can be here to play. I want to read you a little quote. Once um, I had a student who was having a lot of self-judgment and she was, and I just encouraged her to let her four-year-old rip. Like, let it go. let be as much of your four-year-old as you want to be here because she hadn't really given much love to her four-year-old. And so her practice was a loving-kindness practice. For, remember I said you can do it for a time in your life when you were young, So she did it for a four-year-old, and here's what she said. Dear Diana, here's my note to tell you how my practice with my inner four-year-old has been going. Tasks accomplished since 3.30 yesterday. Trees climbed, too. Check. Horses petted. Check. Pick flowers and decorated hair with them. Pick. Check. Picked I'll stop the check. Picked some razz, uh, picked some blue blackberries by the road, practiced a hundred cartwheels in the upper walking hall while everyone else sat, hee hee. <laughs> <laughs> Ate fruit and honey for dinner by a stream. Um, fed crackers to the birds, hiked, slept in. Loving kindness, loving kindness, loving kindness. I feel so different, like a hundred years younger and happier. What next? Do I have to stop acting for? <laughs> this is the permission. So we we have a form here, and we want you to stick to the form. Please do not go upstairs and start doing cartwheels unless, <laughs> unless you've received permission from the teachers, I guess. But but there's a form here that we hold because there are ninety five of us living together and practicing together, and. And so we want to um, follow along, and this form we know has worked, and it works for people to help them access their own goodness, their own nature. And sometimes we need to just play a little bit and just enjoy ourselves and be here and honor that little one that didn't get honored, or the big one that just wants to play. You know, we can, we can have... Um, Awareness. No matter what we do, we can do anything with awareness. So I just want to impart that. And now the last piece that I want to convey is that we can. This practice of mindfulness, and then also how, whatever form you do it in, the focused or the however you practice it, with natural awareness or not. It does not mean becoming like, have you ever heard the term a bliss ninny? A bliss ninny? In other words, hey, everything's good. I'm, I'm all relaxed. The world, I'm, I'm interconnected with everything, and so I don't care. <laughs> this is not the point of what we're doing here. As we practice, we become we find that awareness, which we can trust, becomes a place of refuge in a world of anxiety and uncertainty. And that we develop connected to this awareness is a fierce compassion that comes within us. I often think of it as like we have this awareness and there are these golden threads of compassion moving through it. And that with a place of refuge and of home inside ourselves, we can respond to the suffering in the world, whatever it may be, to injustice, to fear, to hatred, to all of the manifestations, to the environmental crisis, to what's happening on this planet. If we have a place that's truly home, that's truly home inside us, we have a place from which we can work for the world. And we do it in so much healthier ways when we're healthy inside. There's a quote from uh, some teachers of mine and friends, Kitty Saro and Tannisra. They say, the evolutionary imperative of our times demands we evolve from seeing the world out there, separate and alien from us, to directly knowing our intimacy with all things. This is a shift from the dualistic consciousness to an awake awareness that recognizes nothing is apart from anything else or from our deeper nature. Nothing is apart from anything else or from our deeper nature. So I'm gonna end with a poem that I love from Diane Ackerman, the naturalist, poet, writer and it's called School Prayer. In the name of daybreak, and the eyelids of the morning, and the wayfaring moon, and the night when it departs, I swear I will not dishonor my soul with hatred, but offer myself humbly as a guardian of nature, as a healer of misery, as a messenger of wonder, as an architect of peace. In the name of the sun and its mirrors and the day that embraces it and the cloud veils drawn over it and the uttermost night and the male and the female and the plants bursting with seed and the crowning seasons of the firefly and the apple, I will honor all life wherever and in whatever form it may dwell. On Earth, my home, and in the mansions of the stars. And as I read that, I realized that it wasn't a poem that was thinking about um, different genders. But anyway, it was that was what she said. And so, let's just take a moment to sit. Noticing how we are as I bring this talk to an end. What would be here if nothing was wrong? What would be here if there wasn't a problem to solve? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit slash donate.